Hello, I'm Gabby. And I'm Monika Chimima. And we're here at Liberty Hill Junior High. And this is All Girls Considered, a podcast dedicated to connecting girls and women through the power of story sharing, mentorship, and experiential learning to create a world of endless possibilities. Today we have Miss Chantel Brannon with us. She is the first lady to hold the title of Williamson County Emergency Management Services Duty Director. Thank you for coming to talk with us. It's a pleasure to have you here. So pleasure to be here. Thank you all. So what's your story? So a little bit about my story. Um, I did not grow up wanting to be an emergency manager. Um, actually, I was in sports. So I ran track most of my life. And I actually have a master's degree in sports management. And so I graduated in 2001 um, from the United States Sports Academy. And um, I, that landed me with an internship at the Louisiana State University. So I worked in sports marketing with uh, LSU. I was promoted to director of operations for track and field. And then there was a storm uh, by the name of Hurricane Katrina that impacted the state of Louisiana. And so that's how I got into emergency management because that storm, although it did not directly devastate Baton Rouge, which is where I'm from, um, it devastated the state. So that's how I got into it. What is a skill that you have that helps you with your work? So with my work, you have to be extremely detail-oriented. Like I said, I come from the sports management world, and so I transferred my career from sports management to emergency management. So... I had to be extremely detailed. Um, one thing that I found out a couple of years ago, um, that we, I was at a conference and um, the chief elected official, I'm sorry, the chief official for the state, he said that most people who get into emergency management come from one of five fields. So either they are in EMS, they are law enforcement, they are public health, um, they are uh, fire department, you know, things like that, uh, first responder, basically. And then I raised my hand and I said, no, I am a person who was exposed to a disaster. That's how I got into it. So I knew that I had to take my skill set of being extremely detail-oriented, and I had to do that in emergency management, which you have to keep track of the disasters, the documentation, things like that. So that's how I, that's how I felt like, you know, that's the big skill about it, detail orientation. So who has been the most influential person in your life? So that question kind of warms my heart a little bit, only because it would be, I would say it would be my parents. Um, my parents, Alice Washington and my, uh, my father, Leon Dunn. And so both of my parents, they instilled in my, um, in my siblings and I um, work ethic, tremendous work ethic. My father is going on 82 years old. He's going to get mad at me for saying that out loud, but he's 82 years old. He still works every single day. He's the first person at his job. He's the last person there. Um, My parents also taught me that it was okay to be competitive. My parents did not wait for us to receive our direction uh, from our teachers. They actually taught us things at home to help us elevate and help us excel in um, in our education. They taught us that education was important. They taught us to, you know, just think before you speak. And so they are tremendously um, influential in my life, even to this day, and also with my upbringing. When did you find out the emergency management was what you wanted to do for a living? Um, In 2005, um, during the Hurricane Katrina aftermath, um, 
I have this genuine thing in me <laughs> that wants to help. And so just seeing the, the impact of the disaster on our campus, because we had a medical special needs shelter on the LSU campus. And so um, just seeing that, I just wanted to help. And so my mom, who is very well connected within the state of Louisiana, she was able to uh, find out more information on trying to help me find a job. And so that's how I got into it. And I've been doing it ever since. It's been 15 years. Where do you picture yourself in 10 years? Um, <clears throat> that's a very interesting question because sometimes I don't know where I would picture myself next week, <laughs> much less 10 years. But um, there's a lot of things that I would like to do. I would like to be the head of my emergency management agency one day. Um, I want to be a pioneer for diversity within the emergency management field because the emergency management field is, um, when I first got into it 15 years ago, it was predominantly led by men. And so um, I would like to put forth a lot of diversity when it comes to women and also women of color. Um, one other thing that I would like to do is uh, critical incident stress management because a lot of people, they do not know what it is. Um, a lot of us with emergency managers, we sometimes bring our work home with us. Um, there's a lot of disasters that we are a part of. We work sometimes 14, 16 hours a day. We don't really know how to manage our stress. And so I would like to increase the awareness when it comes to critical in incident stress management. So those are just three things that I would like to be pioneers um, with whenever, yeah, 10 years. Hopefully less than that. <laughs> what are some challenges that you face with your work? So some of the challenges would be, um, would be environment. Uh, when I say environment, like I'm from Louisiana, and so I understand all of the things Louisiana. Um, I moved to Texas about seven years ago, and so I've just had to just learn most of that. Um, some of the challenges, too, would be... Um, just working in general with just, you know, people, you just have to understand that everybody is not the same. And so you have to adapt. And sometimes you may have really, really, really strong ideas, but you have to follow the chain, chain of command. It doesn't matter how much you think that you're right. Um, you just have to follow the chain of command and just be patient. Um, one thing that I've had to also learn is to be patient and to also learn how to effectively communicate. When I say effectively, a lot of people feel like when, you know, when they communicate, like if they yell, if you're the loudest person in the room, then everybody's listening to you. That's not exactly how I operate. Um, but just, yeah, just learning to effectively communicate. That's pretty much the best for me. What is a goal that you try to achieve every day? Um, to, to communicate and, um, and also be kind. Because being kind this day and age, that goes a, lot, a long way. Um, and not being kind in the sense of trying to get something out of somebody, but just being kind overall. You shouldn't really go around with a chip on your shoulder all the time. You have to brush it off. You can't bring it home with you. And so I'm, a really, I'm really big on communicating. Sometimes I think that I over-communicate. But whenever I say communicate, it does not make any sense to keep information, unless it's sensitive information. It doesn't make any sense to keep the information to yourself. Because when you keep that information to yourself, some people think that they have power and they don't. So I'm really big on communication. And, um, yeah, real big on communication. <laughs> what does success mean to you? So success means to me... Um, 
you can look at it from a lot of different ways. So you can look at professional success, you can look at per personal success, and you can also look at personal and professional success. So how I look at it is you find a goal, find something that you want to achieve, and then you figure out the steps on how to achieve it. Um, if there's a timeline set to it, set that timeline and stick to it. So then you put the plan in place. So now you know exactly what you're going to do. And then the end is achieving the goal. So that's how I look at success. Achieving something. Um, did you always think that you wanted to play sports when you were little? Or like before that, all that changed, did you always want to do that? I always wanted to do that. I was always active. Um, mm -hmm. If my mom was here, she could tell you that I had a ball of energy as a child. And so one way to get out a ball of energy is just to play sports. And so running was my thing. I was very competitive. And so I always wanted to be first. Um, you know, second was not good enough, you know, so I was just really competitive. And so um, one thing, it's a class that I'm going to be teaching in a couple of weeks uh, at a leadership academy is about the importance of sports and then leaders. Because when you're a part of sports, you already understand the whole leadership part of it. Like, you know how you have, like, captains of the basketball team, captains of the football team. You even have cheerleading captains. And so you are responsible for everybody on your team. And so that also gave me a sense of leadership, too. So I always wanted to play sports. Um, but I also knew that there's, a, there's a, an age limit and a time limit on sports. So I always knew that I couldn't play sports the rest of my life. But... You know, you can't adapt. So you mentioned that you were, um, were teaching a class at a leadership academy. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you do really often? That is actually something that I do very often. So um, folks who have known me for the last 15 years, they know that I really like to talk. <laughs> and they also know that I really like to educate. Because with me not being a first responder coming into emergency management, I was at a tremendous disadvantage. And I did not know exactly what emergency management meant. Mm -hmm. So what I did was I went out there and I educated myself on exactly what emergency management was. And so then when I educated myself, I just wanted to educate everybody else. So I've been an instructor now um, for an incident command system and also with leadership academies. I've been an instructor for the last, I would say, six years. And so I teach a few classes a year, um, basic incident command classes, um, basic um, uh, interface classes, uh, leadership classes, um, to all of our emergency management professionals across the state, across the region. Do you have any other hobbies outside of, you know, work? I like to cook. Being from Louisiana, we really, really, really like to cook. Um, I like hiking. My husband and I, we do a lot of hiking. Um, we, uh, well, I'm sorry, I do a lot of hiking. Um, he doesn't like it. Um, we just got a, a shelter dog, and so he's very active, and so we play a lot of uh we, we do a lot of things with him. But, yeah, in my spare time, I like to hike and I like to cook. Oh, that's really nice. Okay. So you brought, like, some uh, information right there of, yeah. you know, natural disasters. Mm -hmm. I see you're really excited about that. Yeah. So um, you mind showing us those? And, yeah. Um, so I had to do a presentation for Westlake High School yeah. a couple of years ago. And so basically, like whenever I came in here and I told you guys today, this is my career in emergency management. So that's what it's called. Um, sorry if that was loud. It's fine. But, um, 
That's my career in emergency management. So basically that was a PowerPoint presentation. So it pretty much gives you my story and how I kind of grew up with hurricanes living in the state of Louisiana. And these are all of the disasters that I have uh, I have been deployed to. So I've been deployed to um, the tornadoes in Alabama. I've been deployed to various hurricanes. One was in Pennsylvania. Another one was in Vermont. Um, I've also worked the BP oil spill that uh, that occurred in the um, in the southern part of Louisiana, around the New Orleans area. I was um, I was stationed in Hopedale, Louisiana, um, which is, um, if I'm not mistaken, it's in Plaquemines Parish. And so, um, even when I got into the field, there was a hurricane uh, that happened, and this was like the first hurricane that happened right after Hurricane Katrina. So. You know, everybody was a little shy in Louisiana, but, but yeah, and then even with the state of Texas, since I've been here in 2013, I have worked various disasters as far as um, the October floods in 2013, the October floods in 2015, um, also the, the Austin serial bombing, I worked that too. Um, I've worked various events uh, from Formula One to they had the Maccabi Games, which is like the Jewish Olympics. And what else have I done? I've just done a lot. So that's why I have to write everything down. And I have a lot of pictures. Um, and it's just, you know, just documentation of my career. And so these are some of the things that I use whenever I do teach and I give examples because most people, they want to know, OK, how can you relate to what I've done? And so, you know, if you can sit there and you can tell them, like, hey, this is everything that I've done. And so you'll see on the presentation, those are some of the pictures. And I can send you that later in, um, in color if you like. But those are just everything that I've done. Mm. It's pretty uh, interesting. So I saw a lot of, you know, of course, as you said, uh, hurricanes. Mm -hmm. Because you live there a lot. Yeah. I mean, you live there. And... Um, this deep water horizon explosion, I'm kind of interested on that. Can you yeah. tell me about it? So that was a situation where um, it was the BP oil spill. So BP and so let me see deep water horizon. So there was an explosion at the um, out there in the water, in the Gulf. And so what happened was um, it was on an oil rig and um, we were – we were basically activated for I don't know how many days. I know it was many months until that was capped. I mean, it was a it was gallons and gallons and gallons of oil that was spilled into um, into the Gulf. It impacted a lot of um, a lot of the fishermen who worked there. Um, it impacted just everything. I remember there were vacation spots in Florida, um, in Alabama, Mississippi, and they had to kind of close down. So it, it really cut into the tourism because, you know, people couldn't go to the beach anymore. So I was working in Hopedale for about three months consecutively, um, just helping out with that. I was working in the situation unit. So basically that's just documentation. So I worked hand in hand with the Coast Guard. That's really nice. Um, so what do you do like on a day-to-day -day basis? On a day-to-day -day basis, what I do is um, basically planning and coordinating. So when things are not happening, we are planning for them to happen. Um, basically, what we're doing right now is a little thing called continuity of operations. So basically, that is if there is a disaster. So let's just say coronavirus as an example. And let's just say that it impacts our workforce. And so some people will be forced to telework and they would have to work from home. So it's basically identifying what your essential functions are um, day to day and then making sure that you're planning for that. So if people have to work from home, 
then they're able to work from home. They have the equipment to work from home. They have internet. They have things like that. So, you know, people still have to work and people still have to make money and they still have to pay bills. So that's one thing just to keep everything running. You can't just shut down a government agency. So I do a lot of planning. I do a lot of instructing. Um, of course, whenever we have disasters, all of that goes to the wayside, and then I help out my home agency. I'm also a part of an incident management team for the capital area, so that means that I can still deploy within the region and then also state nationally. Um, so if it's blue sky days here in Williamson County, but if they are experiencing something in other parts of Texas or if Florida has a hurricane or if they need any assistance, then I'll go there. What is your role in the coronavirus? Okay, so right now my role with coronavirus, um, I work for Williamson County, and so what we're doing is we're doing the planning and the coordination. So I've been assisting with that, trying to get the conference calls together, um, trying to bring all of our area partners together, our emergency management director, who is the judge for Williamson County, Bill Gravel. Um, and so basically just coordinating and just preparing for, um, for the impact that the coronavirus will have on our county. And also talking with the emergency management coordinators who are also in the cities and jurisdictions. There is even one in Liberty Hill. Um, so just coordinating with them to make sure that everybody has what they need when it comes to supplies and resources. Is the virus as serious as, you know, people are talking about it as it is? Yes. The virus is as serious as people are talking about. Um, this is not anything that would be considered to be fake news. This is not anything that people should not take seriously. Um, we are preparing and we are continuing to prepare for it. Um, what everyone has heard in the media is that we have not reached the peak of the virus. Um, that may occur later on for many weeks to come. And so um, I brought some numbers here today and these numbers are ever changing. But we do have approximately 39 cases in the state of Texas as of today. Um, that number may have changed, I'm not sure, but it was 39 cases this morning. And so they're increasing every single day. There's over 1,600 cases across the U.S. There is approximately 41 deaths last time that I checked for the virus, and so it is serious. So one thing that we are telling our, um, we're telling our, our partners, we're telling our county government agencies, just to you know to continue to wash your hands. Um, you can't run from it. You can't isolate yourself from it. Um, but just you know, cut down on the spread of the disease. But yes, it is serious. And we're taking it very seriously. What advice would you give to other girls and women listening to this podcast right now? So, um, honestly, seeing y'all here today, it kind of brings joy to me because I remember whenever I was your age. And um, like I said, the career that I'm in right now, I never would have thought that I would have been doing anything like this. I always thought that I was going to be a nurse or a veterinarian. And then how I'm an emergency manager. Um, the one thing that my advice to you sitting at the table with me today and then others who would be listening to this podcast, girls and women, is that you have a seat at the table, meaning that, yes, there's a lot of diversity out there. There's a lot of, I'm sorry, adversity out there, but you have a seat at the table. So if you have that seat at the table, grab it. If you don't think you have it, grab it anyway. Um, one, one thing that I can do is um, the advice that I would like to give is to surround yourself. Uh, women out there, surround yourself with a, um, with a village of, of other women um, who have the same goals as you. And then even, you know, young girls also surround yourself with other girls who have the same goals as you or, you know, people who can hold you accountable, people who can, um, can help you achieve your goals. 
And so that's really the advice. Yeah, just surround yourself with a village of women or girls that can help you achieve your goals and hold you accountable because you can do it. So we would like to thank you so much for taking the time out of your day and interviewing with us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it so much. I'm Monique Chimba. And I'm Gabriella Vargas. And this is All Girls Considered.